John McCarthy and his students began work on the first LISP implementation in 1958. After Fortran, LISP is the oldest language still in use. What's more remarkable is that it is still in the forefront of programming language technology. Programmers who know LISP will tell you, there is something about this language that sets it apart. Part of what makes LISP distinctive is that it is designed to evolve. You can use LISP to define new LISP operators. As new abstractions become popular, object-oriented programming, for example, it always turns out to be easy to implement them in LISP. Like DNA, such a language does not go out of style. New tools. Why learn LISP? Because it lets you do things that you can't do in other languages. If you just wanted to write a function to return the sum of the numbers less than n, say, it would look much the same in Lisp and C. Lisp slash asterisk C asterisk slash defund sum, n int sum in n, let as zero, in i s equal sign zero, do times i n s for i equal sign zero, i n i plus plus in c s i, s plus equal sign i returns. If you only need to do such simple things, it doesn't really matter which language you use. Suppose instead you want to write a function that takes a number n and returns a function that adds n to its argument, lisp, defund addn, n, hash, lambda, x, plus xn. What does addn look like in C? You just can't write it. You might be wondering, when does one ever want to do things like this? Programming languages teach you not to want what they cannot provide. You have to think in a language to write programs in it, and it's hard to want something you can't describe. When I first started writing programs in basic. I didn't miss recursion because I didn't know there was such a thing. I thought in basic. I could only conceive of iterative algorithms. So why should I miss recursion? If you don't miss lexical closures, which is what's being made in the preceding example, take it on faith, for the time being, that Lisp programmers use them all the time. It would be hard to find a common Lisp program of any length that did not take advantage of closures. By page 112, you will be using them yourself. And closures are only one of the abstractions we don't find in other languages. Another unique feature of Lisp, possibly even more valuable, is that Lisp programs are expressed as Lisp data structures. This means that you can write programs that write programs. Do people actually want to do this? Yes. They're called macros. And again, experienced programmers use them all the time. By page 173, you will be able to write your own. With macros, closures, and runtime typing, Lisp transcends object-oriented programming. If you understood the preceding sentence, you probably should not be reading this book. You would have to know Lisp pretty well to see why it's true. But it is not just words. It is an important point, and the proof of it is made quite explicit. In code, in chapter 17, chapters 2, Minus 13 will gradually introduce all the concepts that you'll need in order to understand the code in chapter 17. The reward for your efforts will be an equivocal one. You will feel as suffocated programming in C++ as an experienced C++ programmer would feel programming in BASIC. It's more encouraging, perhaps, if we think about where this feeling comes from. BASIC is suffocating to someone used to C++ because an experienced C++ programmer knows techniques that are impossible to express in BASIC. Likewise, learning LISP will teach you more than just a new language. It will teach you new and more powerful ways of thinking about programs. New techniques. As the preceding section explained, LISP gives you tools that other languages don't provide. But there is more to the story than this. Taken separately, the new things that come with LISP, automatic memory management, manifest typing, closures, and so on. Each make programming that much easier.
Taken together, they form a critical mass that makes possible a new way of programming. Lisp is designed to be extensible. It lets you define new operators yourself. This is possible because the Lisp language is made out of the same functions and macros as your own programs. So it's no more difficult to extend Lisp than to write a program in it. In fact, it's so easy and so useful that extending the language is standard practice. As you're writing your program down toward the language, you build the language up toward your program. You work bottom up as well as top down. Almost any program can benefit from having the language tailored to suit its needs. But the more complex the program, the more valuable bottom-up programming becomes. A bottom-up program can be written as a series of layers, each one acting as a sort of programming language for the one above. TEX was one of the earliest programs to be written this way. You can write programs bottom-up in any language, but Lisp is far the most natural vehicle for this style. Bottom-up programming leads naturally to extensible software. If you take the principle of bottom-up programming all the way to the topmost layer of your program, then that layer becomes a programming language for the user. Because the idea of extensibility is so deeply rooted in Lisp, it makes the ideal language for writing extensible software. Three of the most successful programs of the 1980s provide Lisp as an extension language. GNU, Emacs, AutoCAD, and Interleaf. Working bottom-up is also the best way to get reusable software. The essence of writing reusable software is to separate the general from the specific, and bottom-up programming inherently creates such a separation. Instead of devoting all your effort to writing a single, monolithic application, you devote part of your effort to building a language, and part to writing a proportionately smaller application on top of it. What's specific to this application will be concentrated in the topmost layer. The layers beneath will form a language for writing applications like this one. And what could be more reusable than a programming language? Lisp allows you not just to write more sophisticated programs, but to write them faster. Lisp programs tend to be short. The language gives you bigger concepts, so you don't have to use as many. As Frederick Brooks has pointed out, the time it takes to write a program depends mostly on its length, so this fact alone means that Lisp programs take less time to write. The effect is amplified by Lisp's dynamic character. In Lisp, the edit-compile-test cycle is so short that programming is real-time. Bigger abstractions and an interactive environment can change the way organizations develop software. The phrase rapid prototyping describes a kind of programming that began with Lisp. In Lisp, you can often write a prototype in less time than it would take to write the spec for one. What's more, such a prototype can be so abstract that it makes a better spec than one written in English. And Lisp allows you to make a smooth transition from prototype to production software. When common Lisp programs are written with an eye to speed and compiled by modern compilers, they run as fast as programs written in any other high-level language. Unless you already know Lisp quite well, this introduction may seem a collection of grand and possibly meaningless claims. Lisp transcends object-oriented programming. You build the language up toward your programs. Lisp programming is real-time. What can such statements mean? At the moment, these claims are like empty lakes. As you learn more of the actual features of Lisp and see examples of working programs, they will fill with real experience and take on a definite shape. A new approach. One of the aims of this book is to explain not just the Lisp language, but the new approach to programming that Lisp makes possible. This approach is one that you will see more of in the future. As programming environments grow in power and languages become more abstract, 
the LISP style of programming is gradually replacing the old plan and implement model. In the old model, bugs are never supposed to happen. Thorough specifications, painstakingly worked out in advance, are supposed to ensure that programs work perfectly. Sounds good in theory? Unfortunately, the specifications are both written and implemented by humans. The result in practice is that the plan and implement method does not work very well. As manager of the OS 360 project, Frederick Brooks was well acquainted with the traditional approach. He was also acquainted with its results. Any OS 360 user is quickly aware of how much better it should be. Furthermore, the product was late. It took more memory than planned. The costs were several times the estimate, and it did not perform very well until several releases after the first. And this is a description of one of the most successful systems of its era. The problem with the old model was that it ignored human limitations. In the old model, you are betting that specifications won't contain serious flaws and that implementing them will be a simple matter of translating them into code. Experience has shown this to be a very bad bet indeed. It would be safer to bet that specifications will be misguided and that code will be full of bugs. This is just what the new model of programming does assume. Instead of hoping that people won't make mistakes, it tries to make the cost of mistakes very low. The cost of a mistake is the time required to correct it. With powerful languages and good programming environments, this cost can be greatly reduced. Programming style can then depend less on planning and more on exploration. Planning is a necessary evil. It is a response to risk. The more dangerous an undertaking, the more important it is to plan ahead. Powerful tools decrease risk, and so decrease the need for planning. The design of your program can then benefit from what is probably the most useful source of information available, the experience of implementing it. LISP style has been evolving in this direction since the 1960s. You can write prototypes so quickly in LISP that you can go through several iterations of design and implementation before you would, in the old model, have even finished writing out the specifications. You don't have to worry so much about design flaws because you discover them a lot sooner, nor do you have to worry so much about bugs. When you program in a functional style, bugs can only have a local effect. When you use a very abstract language, some bugs, for example, dangling pointers, are no longer possible, and what remain are easy to find because your programs are so much shorter. And when you have an interactive environment, you can correct bugs instantly instead of enduring a long cycle of editing, compiling, and testing. Lisp style has evolved this way because it yields results. Strange as it sounds, less planning can mean better design. The history of technology is full of parallel cases. A similar change took place in painting during the 15th century. Before oil paint became popular, painters used a medium called tempera that cannot be blended or overpainted. The cost of mistakes was high, and this tended to make painters conservative. Then came oil paint, and with it, a great change in style. Oil allows for second thoughts. This proved a decisive advantage in dealing with difficult subjects like the human figure. The new medium did not just make painters' lives easier. It made possible a new and more ambitious kind of painting. Jansen writes, Without oil, the Flemish master's conquest of visible reality would have been much more limited. Thus, from a technical point of view too, they deserve to be called the fathers of modern painting for oil has been the painter's basic medium ever since. As a material, tempera is no less beautiful than oil, but the flexibility of oil paint gives greater scope to the imagination. 
That was the deciding factor. Programming is now undergoing a similar change. The new medium is the object-oriented dynamic language, in a word, LISP. This is not to say that all our software is going to be written in LISP within a few years. The transition from tempera to oil did not happen overnight. At first, oil was only popular in the leading art centers and was often used in combination with tempera. We seem to be in this phase now. LISP is used in universities, research labs, and a few leading-edge companies. Meanwhile, ideas borrowed from LISP increasingly turn up in the mainstream. Interactive programming environments, garbage collection, and runtime typing, to name a few. More powerful tools are taking the risk out of exploration. That's good news for programmers because it means that we will be able to undertake more ambitious projects. The use of oil paint certainly had this effect. The period immediately following its adoption was a golden age for painting. There are signs already that something similar is happening in programming. 